podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Thanks for choosing this free Anfield Index podcast. If you'd prefer to listen to this or any of our other shows without adverts, then now's the time to check out Anfield Index Pro. With AI Pro, you can supercharge your entire listening experience. You'll not only get all of our podcasts without the ads, but you'll have them far faster with our quick publish feature available exclusively for subscribers. AI Pro also puts you in the heart of our sound studio with an option to listen to many of our shows live and interact with the podcasters in real time as the shows are recording. Upgrading couldn't be easier. AI Pro is available on all popular podcast platforms and we have our own apps for Apple and Android. Just head on over to AnfieldIndexPro.com and get started today. Hello and welcome to another episode of Scouser Tommy's on Anfield Index. I'm Jim Boardman and I'm with Jay Reed, and this one is the first one of the close season. Um, the first one after the season we'd probably all rather forget. We just had the last game of the season last weekend, 4-4, and I mean, if anything, that just summed up what a, a crazy season it's been for Liverpool. Some ups, some downs, and at the end of it, nothing really to take away. Jay, do you think I'm right? Is it? Could you sort of almost say that that game summed our season up? I, I think it kind of did. Maybe not as bad in, in some places as the season was, but still not great all the way through. Yeah, I think it was nothing more of a on-the-beach performance in that game in <laughs> itself. Um, was it an end of season? Was it a, was it a pre, pre-season game where you see these mad scores and mad lineups? Um, I would be honest, I watched the first half uh, on Sunday and it was entertaining. I think it was 2-2 at half-time, if I remember rightly. Um, and then I flipped over to watch the relegation games um, <laughs> because, you know, there was, there was more more importance on them, which we can come to. But it was probably fitting in how our season was summed up in a microcosm of that game. Like, you know, literally the good, the bad and the ugly, there was goals given away cheaply. There was goals, you know, really smart finishes. You think of Jotters especially, you know, there was signs of what might become with Trent in such an advanced role and, you know, and another assist for him. Um, but yeah, there was probably moments in that game where you thought, well, there's players going out the door for free um, and that's so be it. And we might miss them in, in odd occasions and there's also probably performances there that raise questions of should we be keeping hold of other lads who are not walking away for free but might want a transfer fee in the summer if the if the offer comes available from somebody else, would we consider it? Who knows? Because there's a lot to do and whether it'll all get done is highly unlikely. But we are where we are and I guess what we are in now is silly season is approaching and it's just around the corner. Yeah, I mean the lineup was quite. Um, I mean, I didn't really know what to expect, in all honesty. But once, once the game, the, the monster Manx had, had assured they were going to get the Champions League spot, then it was li- literally just a case of going through the motions for us. So I wasn't sure what he'd do, and you wonder, um, you know, maybe maybe plays were played because they're going rather than um, because he was particularly resting anyone else. But in a way. Um, the number of changes made, it wasn't wasn't massive and it was almost like a kind of team we've put out through the season where we've had players missing and, you know, we've had to sort of shuffle things around a little bit and, you know, it, it was a team in my view that was good enough to win the game and I wanted us, the one thing I wanted, I thought, that the three points don't, don't matter, the league table won't change, but 
it would be good to at least go into next season with a, ideally a win, but at least an unbeaten run. Because this unbeaten run has stretched now for quite a bit. And going into next season, if you can kick off with another win and, and get it going, then, um, you know, there's that little bit of less pressure. Instead of hearing the words, oh, Liverpool haven't won since, and all this sort of negative stuff, it's more like Liverpool haven't lost since. And it's, you know, it's a good while ago. But the team was. But it was a surprise to me. But then again, I wasn't really thinking about it. I went and forgot to even do my fantasy team as well for the last game, and I had a chip left. But never mind. Um, that's you know, I just kind of. I think once that once that Champions League space place was definitely gone, completely mathematically out of the question. I kind of switched off a bit, and just as well because my stream for the game was running about somehow running about two or three minutes behind. So. I was getting notifications of what was happening, no matter how hard I tried to avoid them, um, you know, well before the goals went in. And I was the same as you. Second half, I didn't bother watching it live. I kind of watched it back later, but I didn't didn't watch it live because I just didn't see the excitement in it. And it just felt like, as the score kept going down, I thought, what the hell's going on? And and really, that, that to me, again, is that kind of way we've gone through things this season. Like, look back at the game against Spurs, where we eventually sorted it out but nearly threw away a huge lead and then this one as well I mean it as much as the game didn't matter to me it mattered we know we want to go in there with you know get the three points don't show ourselves up against the bottom team in the league and just complacency like oh the job's already done or we don't really need to do anything it just feels like feels like that's the problem we had on at the weekend on Sunday but that's been the problem so often this season and there's so many things we can say went wrong this season but to me time and time again within games whether whatever the cause of it is another matter it could be tiredness it could be not the best plays I don't know bad attitudes we've all tried to put our finger on when it's been going bad but you know the key thing we've to me we've spotted over and over again is just complacency like you know acting as if it doesn't matter the job's done and if they score doesn't matter we'll get one back well maybe you will but don't put yourself in the position where you've got to fight like that yeah, just as you say, we, we probably come out of that game with more questions than answers, and we've come out this season with more questions than answers. You know, there's there's obvious there's obvious answers to to questions that have been surfaced over over time. Like obviously, the, the Trent in midfield experiments is the is the big one. Really, would he work in a midfielder position or a midfield role in this hybrid position that he's been playing as of lately? Um, I think the short answer to that is yes. Like he, he can do a job there. Yeah. Is that the future? Will remain to be seen. I think you know we would probably have to tighten up more at the back in terms of you know maybe, maybe the, the left back position. Maybe look for someone who's more physically commanding than Andy Robertson if we are to continue with Trent in that advanced role because you are putting a hell of a lot of work into Kanate and Van Dijk and if Robertson, you know. His, his natural game is to go forward, for example, then, you know, you're asking a lot of work and or Fabinho um, of the current players we've got to drop in and cover such a large area of the pitch. So, you know, the, the answer, yes, you're working the field, but then the questions are then raised of well, what do we do with Andy Robertson or what do we do with, you know, the left slash centre-back back position? Um yeah, and uh, and I just thought, yeah, we we've probably seen seen players there at the weekend who we've not seen so often. You think of the likes of you know uh, Masip Gomez, Simicus in the in the back line, and you know like Bobby. We've we've obviously understand his injury issues, and you know Milner got a start in, in his final run out as as Liverpool player, and it was good to see these players. But you know, 
with all due respect to, to Bobby and, and to Milner, then they're not, you know, 90-minute performances anymore. And I thought we were we were kind of hanging ourselves out to dry and letting Milner play the full game. And, you know, I just thought, like yourself, we've seen this so many times. We threw away lead needlessly by, you know, just conceding stupid goals, conceding possession in, in, in daft positions. Um, it's something that needs to be stamped out. Maybe the fact that, you know, there's, there's four lads walking away in the summer that we know of and, you know, you pluck a number in the air out of who may potentially be up the door for sales wise. You know, you could be looking at eight to ten people um in the squad be be leaving in the summer and, you know, a handful, uh, let's be realistically, maybe maybe half a dozen if we if we're good in the transfer market coming in. And maybe there's a change in mentality within the team, you know, a fresh mind, fresh ideas, fresh voices, because we can't go into next season with this sort of attitude and approach and this sort of way of looking at things as, you know, we've we've got a stellar lineup of forwards and we've got, you know, one of the most creative players in the league and Trent in a in a new position, but we can't keep bailing ourselves out of jail with, you know, odd performances of, of spectacular natures like that because, you know, over the course of the season you'll probably end up back where you are and if we look at across the league you know, we finished out of the top four. Those four teams who were ahead of us, with all due respect, are going to go and spend money in the summer and strengthen and get better. Chelsea, for all the, you know, the manic decisions that goes on there, they're bringing in Pochettino, who is a more proven manager at this level than, well, it wouldn't take much to be a better manager than Frank Lampard. I think my my XPE teacher, who's probably 72 years of age right now, could do a better job than him. But, you know, Compared to Graham Potter, uh, I thought you were going to say she mainly only did that ball, but yeah. <laughs> um, you know, they, they're not going to be as bad, surely not. Um, you know, Tottenham will be there or thereabouts, and then you've got to pay with all due respect to two other teams in the league, the likes of Brentford, Brighton, you know, Fulham as well, who've, who've come into the league and, and shown, you know, that they're not there just to make up the numbers. They are actually decent teams and you know all three of them teams have just mentioned they give us a game across the season you know we'd be Fulham at home but I don't think we beat them away and then Brentford and Brighton both beat us at their places so it's not a gimme that next season we're back in the Champions League positions because we might make a couple of signings it's got to be a whole mentality shift and there's a lot of work to be done this summer on the field and off the field in terms of how we approach next season. So, yeah, it might be silly season, but it's also a season for two or three months of real hard work and knuckling down and figuring out where we went so wrong this year and try and right them wrongs because next year will be here before we know it and we can't afford to, to start slow because once you find yourself behind the eight ball, then you are very much chasing constantly and, you know, we found out that sometimes you just can't always make up the place in the race. Are you that person who has everything? The coolest merch and those must-have fan threads? Well, over at our Anfield Index shop, we've gone that extra mile when it comes to pimping up your Liverpool collection. From our popular range of bespoke design T-shirts, sweaters, hoodies and hats, to our signature edition mugs, prints and coasters, all provided with fast worldwide shipping. 
we have something for every red. We also stock official LFC merchandise and are licensed with the Premier League and UEFA to sell official iron-on shirt badges and sleeve patches. As a listener to this podcast, you can get 10% off everything with coupon code AIPRO10. Just head over to anfieldindex.shop or find us on Etsy by searching for Anfield Index. Yeah, we, we, I think, I mean, using this game again as a highlight of, of Liverpool's season on the bench, um, that lad Arthur that, you know, um, <laughs> you know, and he didn't even get on the pitch, you know, he wasn't even one of the players who came on. I think we only used four subs, so he could have come on, but he didn't even bother to come on in a, you know, let's face it, a kind of meaningless game at the end of a season when loads of sort of second choice players and, and, and departing names are coming in, didn't even manage to make it for that I mean whether we had to pay more money if he actually played over so many minutes you know, I don't know, if he didn't come on and <laughs> He only played 13 across the whole That's what I mean, <laughs> yeah, yeah, he had to pay a million quid if he played 20 mm. minutes or something, so we <laughs> saved all that but it's like um, you know, that, that itself just was like last summer ruined the season basically because Although I've said about complacency being a problem this year, there's, I, I still mean that. I still think the plays we had were capable of doing a hell of a lot more than they did. And, you know, um, the sort of contingency in a way for them, you know, the sort of let off clause for them in a way is that a lot of the time those plays were maybe playing too much because we'd had injuries and the squad wasn't deep enough and, you know, the midfield was a mess. I mean, the midfield was was the big thing everyone talked about all last summer. You know, that's the place we need to strengthen. That's the place we need to sort of, you know, freshen up and keep it going because, you know, players are ageing. You know, Henderson is sort of not, you know, he's, he, he, he can still play a game. He can still do things for us to a point, but he's not what he was two, three years ago. Milner the same. I mean, Milner... Um, you could argue Henderson now is kind of like what, where Milner was a couple of years ago. And so, you know, he should be the one on the fringes of looking towards where his next place is and things like that. And it was just, why did we buy Arthur? I mean, it's this question we've never really, we didn't even buy him. Sorry, we loaned him. You know, I mean, just, it's just like, what sort of planning is that? That right now we should know what we need. We should know what kind of players we need, what kind of money we've got to spend. You know, working out sort of different permutations of if you can't get this player, can you get another player? What will he cost? If you can't get that player and you have to get the other one, does that mean you have to miss out on on this other player in another position? And if you do, what does that mean? Have you got players who can cover that? You know, I mean, in some ways, I don't want anyone to use this phrase, but Curtis Jones has almost been like a new signing for us at the end of this season because... To me now, he's a contender to be part of the regular squad next season. But that doesn't mean we need to say, oh, great. Oh, we've got Curtis now. Okay, we can cross those players off we were thinking of. No, you know, we're losing players. You know, Curtis keeps our numbers up. But as soon as we hit any kind of injury run, any kind of, um, you know, big run of games, then we're going to hit some of the problems we had last season, which, again, I think was just not having a deep enough squad with quality in so that, you should never really see the same 11 two, two games running, should you? There should always be sort of a couple of coming in, a couple going out, you know, and over a while sort of maybe, maybe very few plays maybe except the keeper would be ever present in the league game or in any other competition. Yeah, I think, you know, if we, if we go back to last summer and then Klopp and his famous midfield list and, and we roll through that, so there's a weird flag was around my idea. Um, <laughs> you know, Arthur let's not even count him because he was there but he wasn't there if that makes an effect you know Ox and Naby were both on that list and they probably trotted out about a dozen performances each between the season of that I would say half of those were subs 
Yeah. Um, and I would say Fabio. appearances rather than performances in some cases. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah well, yeah, Don and the shirt. Yeah. Um, Fabio Carvalho was listed as a midfielder, and I think we've all come to discover, well, he was never a midfielder in the first place, and I think Klopp's been very open in the fact that this lad is available for, for loan, at least. I think, I you know, there's get, reports. Yeah. He needs it. He was of a bid from Leipzig, but um, that was for the permanent deal and we've turned it down. So who knows what happens with that young boy, but he's not a midfielder. We've discovered that. Um, Harvey Elliott, for all his, his efforts and endeavour, he's just not a midfielder for me. He's very much in the same ballpark as Carvalho in terms of there's one thing that lad will not, not have and, and it's electric pace and I don't think he's going to get any bigger than he might get a little bit stronger, you know, as he develops into a more of a, a man's body because he's still only 19 or 20 years of age now, but he's never going to be a physically commanding midfielder and we've seen over the clock tenure, you need to have a physique and a power and pace about you just to, to just be able to get through the legwork that we need in midfield and he hurries about, but I just don't think it's ever going to be proven that he's a, a top-end Liverpool midfielder. And then you look at, you know, Fabinho, Henderson, Thiago and Jones, who were the other ones, um, all had injury issues across the season for one reason or another. They've all missed games. You know, Henderson and Fabinho at times looked like they were playing in scuba diving boots and yeah. literally couldn't move. And we don't even know what's going on with Thiago. We got an injury, I think it was back in... March time and he was meant to be a few weeks and we've never seen him since and you know Curtis only came into this before the last end of the season so if we're looking at what we've got as it stands going into next year we've got Curtis Jones who has put himself in there as a very viable starting option with the question mark hopefully he can stay fit for a full year and then Fabinho Thiago and Henderson and again the the caveat with those three lads is age and legs yeah so we, we need a hell of a lot of surgery in there and you know that there's reports coming out that we we certainly are identifying players of a younger more physical ability and it's screaming out for that and hopefully you know there's, there's a big German fella at the top of the helm now who's going to maybe make that happen for us yeah, I mean, I think I was thinking sort of what would the first 11 be for Liverpool now, sort of, you know, right at the end of the season, what what would sort of, say we had a Champions League final to play or something next weekend and Klopp had everyone available and wanted to pick his strongest 11. Um, you could probably guess the back four and the keeper and... I mean, you could pick three from five for if you're gonna, if you're gonna go with the front three. But yeah, the midfield is just sort of like, <laughs> I don't know. You'd, I just don't think there is a sort of steady midfield. And as much as I say you want to rotate players in, in across the pitch, you, you don't want them playing every game. You sort of what your aim is on that is that your best players are rotated into position when you most need them. So that example of being in a big final next weekend or something, then that's you know that that's a, a good example of it. That you know I really don't know what he would pick as his as his best midfield at the moment because there's been. As you said, I mean, I'm, I'm talking about them being fit, but maybe I'm talking about them being as fit as they have been this season. The, the, there's no one you can really point to and say would definitely get in there. Maybe Curtis is the only one I could say would probably definitely get into that midfield. And that 
that even then is a guess. I just don't feel like it's been a, a settled midfield at all. And as, you, and as you mentioned, all those players, in a way, it feels like in most cases, these are players who are going to be rotated in when we aren't quite up to full strength. You know, the players that are going to give the rest of the players a lift. In other words, it feels like we need three decent midfielders. I think that's that's a minimum, isn't it, really? You know. um, because, well, you know, if, if you, again, we refer back to the list of Keita, Ox and Milner going out the door, yep. re- registered registered on the squad list as midfielders. Um, so there's this free gap you've got to fill, okay, across the past couple of years, you could probably say those three lads combined have contributed to, you know, maybe what we used to get out of Ginny Wijnaldum across the season in terms of performance of minutes on the pitch, um, you know, given the, the sub-appearances and whatever. But that is then, we all know that's been our downfall. Like we've we've never actually replaced Ginny Wijnaldum's availability on the pitch. Like For a lad who, well, we, we let walk away for nothing. Like he was there, you would say, 99% of the time available and 99% of the time would play the full 90 or 95 minutes of games and was good to go Saturday or Saturday, Wednesday, Saturday. You could get three games a week out of him. And we know now we, we've we've not got that in, in any of the lads that we've got. So I think, you know, the, the famous saying is, uh, you know, availability is one of the best abilities to have. Like, that's what we need now. We just need lads who, they might not be nine out of ten you know, every week they might not be the glamour name that people may desire. It might not be, you know, your, your FIFA football computer game ninety nine rated player. We just need lads who are six, seven out of ten minimum every week, but they're able to get themselves out on the pitch, you know, two, three times a week because we find ourselves in the Europa League. How we approach that is to be seen whether we go with, you know, a a younger or you know, rotated squad for the, for the group stage and see how we pan out through that, and we focus on the league, or whether it's one that we attack with a sort of a mixed approach and we rotate players constantly. And every game is sort of three or four changes at a time. But the three or four changes are lads who can get through ninety minutes relentlessly every single week, and I think then we will probably see a huge upturn in our overall performance because we just haven't got the legs anymore and it's it's been hard to watch at times this season yeah. for many many reasons but just seeing lads like Fabinho like Henderson whatever your personal opinions are of these fellas you know what they want to do because we've seen them do it and they just can't physically get there and be able to do it they're always you know half a second too late they're always one two yards behind where they should be they're always you know running in someone's shadow to try and get the ball back or trying to cover so much pitch. It's, it's been hard, but, you know, all all links seem to suggest we're going to address that and we're going to address it hopefully pretty quickly. Yeah, I mean, I think, I, I, was, I always think back to John Barnes. Um, I was, I had the privilege of seeing him play in the flesh time and time again on the left wing for Liverpool. But, and then, as he was sort of going towards the end of his career, um, 
it probably was still a long way to go in his career, to be honest, but it felt like he was going towards the end. He moved into a more central role. And the thing is, he was so fast when he was playing in left wing that, in a way, when he moved to midfield, he just kind of slowed down to something like normal pace for everybody else, in a way. So, you know, and he'd got the brain, he'd got the vision, he'd got the experience. You know, he was so good at reading the game. And we ended up getting, you know, it was almost like getting a, a new player in a way because, you know, he was playing in such a different position to where we'd where we'd seen him make his name. But then, um, you know, Henderson, you know, slowing down. What's he going to slow down to? You know, Fabinho, um, again, I just feel like, yeah, we, if, if all of those players stay fit and all the rest of it, put the best in, you know, they suddenly put all their injury words behind them. That's great. That's a bonus. But I think whatever planning we're doing this summer, it has to be on the basis that, um, there's, there's players gone, they need replacing, and there's players staying who don't tend to put a long run of games in, who don't tend to play 90 minutes on a regular basis because they tend to get some form of injury or other. And we've got to say, great, we've got them, they're available if and when we need them, but we can't rely on them. So, you know, we've got to plan with that in mind rather than planning as if, oh, well, if they're all fit, you know, we won't need as much. I just really hope we sort it. And um I mean, as, as far as sorting it's concerned, I mean... I suppose we should mention he's now official, isn't he? Um, a new director of football with a similar first name to Jürgen, but yeah, we're going to have to try and get used to his second name, aren't we? Jörg mm. Schmachkebitschup. I don't know. <laughs> I've got, we're going to go with that one. Yeah, the the, the Schmacher fella uh, sounds more, you know, German, Austrian, but you know, <laughs> the picture that they put up online, it, it looked like one of these. You know, like we're linked with a player, and someone will superimpose that player's head and so a Liverpool shirt. The picture that the Liverpool website released of Jurgen and Jorg looked like he had like cropped his head off from his Facebook and you know superimposed it onto somebody else's body and and superimposed like the training facility in the background. But um, I know what you mean. It looks like I'm just looking at it now, <laughs> and it's like they've not. Um... If you're on Photoshop, you need to just do a bit more burn or something just to blend the colours in a bit yeah. more. It, it, it just looked real freak and you're like thinking, is he actually a, there? Is, has he been appointed or is this just all like one of these wires when it's like, you know, you'll, you'll see like Killian Mbappe in a Liverpool shirt, for example, when the, when them rivers were all, all rife. But... Oh, you see it on Sky when they have the players walking on and there's a player who's, or, or whatever, you have the pictures of the players, you know, on the lineups. And they've got someone's heads definitely on someone else's body because they, that that player wasn't there when those photo shoots were done in those kits. Yeah, they get, like, you know, them promo video walk-on thing go get done the start of the season. So if, yeah. like, you know, you know, Cody Gappo, let's be honest here, Cody Gappo's image is probably superimposed onto another player's body yeah. Um, yeah. just for the, for the reasons of TV. But, yeah... He's, he's here and I think it's a, a short-term deal and from all intents and purposes, the reporters to say it's a it's a three-month deal, which we've, we spoke about on the last pod, which basically sees him through the summer window and, again, raises more questions than answers for me because why is it only three months? Why have... Is he on a trial? Is he is he there to, to do a specific job and what is that specific job? I've got a theory in the fact that it's you know, he's going to be the bad guy and we, we need to clear the decks and Klopp's loyalty is his biggest strength but also his biggest weakness and yeah. he's brought his big bag German mate in to basically to fire the bullets that he's not a you know he's not able to do because he's so emotionally attached to players and if, if that's the case of you know 
let's just take a name that's been rumoured to be leaving is is Quiven Kelleher. Like it's it's clear that the lad is is of ability. Um he maybe didn't show the best of that in the four four at the weekend, but he probably wants to move on for his own career. He's too good to be a number two and it's gonna be hard for us to find a backup of of that sort of quality and calibre and Klopp deep down probably thinks, Well, I don't really want to lose him, but my hands are sort of tied in the fact that we are the sell to buy club and he's an asset that we can sell at whatever value. So I don't want to tell him, you know, thanks very much, off you go, because, you know, I feel a bit harsh and the lad won us a couple of trophies, but his big mate from Germany is going to come in and go, sorry, Queeve, you're on your bike and, you know, here's the offers, here's the clubs, where do you want to go? And and off you go. And, you know, it might be the case of other players in the squad who maybe Klopp's, like, you know, really emotionally attached to and doesn't really want to tell them they have to go, but someone's got to tell them that they need to go because we can't sit on our hands and be complacent about things. And if it's a case of we've let too many players walk away for free and we've got to now look at players in the last year of the contract, you know, another one that comes to mind is maybe Joel Matter. You know, a player who's brought us loads of joy, but if we're all being honest about ourselves, has been more down than up performances from Joel this season, then Klopp probably doesn't want to tell such a nice fella of... Joel's, you know, character that it's time to go. So someone else is going to have to do it for them. And if that's the case, you know, I, I'm, I'm quite happy with that. But what happens after the three months of of of, of York's contract? Does he does he sign on and stay or or not? It then again, the questions come up: Is he doing the negotiating for for the players coming in the door? Is it a case that this guy is is going in and playing hardball because he's got that? you know, bad guy mentality and he walks in and if he says the price is 35 million euros because Liverpool is so stringent on their budgets then he's just going to sit there with, you know, an aggressive German stern look and just say, are you going to give me this player for 35 million euros or not? And we're not going to be budged about because, you know, we've, we've got no person in that role anymore as Julian Ward's leaving. We, we just don't know and I don't think we'll probably ever know. Um, and I guess we've just got to put faith in, in Klopp and the club as a whole and say they hopefully we've seen the errors that we've made in terms of not getting players in or, you know, maybe not putting our money where our mouth is and this season it's cost us Champions League daily. And it's cost us, you know, positions in for trophies. You know, when you think of the Champions League itself, like the Real Madrid team that knocked us out, like we should have been putting that team to bed. But now it's a different sort of approach and we just need to clear the decks and have a fresh restart and maybe this is the guy to do it. We, we'll just have to wait and see. All right. I, I think, yeah, I think what you were saying then about Queens as well, I think goalkeeping is one of those positions. If you sort of, you, you don't rotate, you don't come on for the last 20, you don't, you know, you sort of, you tend to be, you've got your, your keeper for most games and maybe you, your second choice will get to play the cup games and things. And, when you're a young keeper like that, you're not getting the experience. I think, personally, you know, if you take the money out of it, I'd prefer it if we just sort of offered him a new deal and then said, you're going on, on loan at least next year, if not beyond it. So then, new contract means you're still paying him, okay, but you'll get money in for him on loan. And 
if at the end of that year you think, right, maybe we should just let him go somewhere, then he's, he's got a bit of value because he's still got a bit of contract left. So, you know, again, sort of avoiding this letting contracts run down. Like if you've got two, if someone's got two years on a deal, left on the deal, you've got to make a, make a decision. Are we going to let him go for free? Are we going to extend it now before that starts running down? Or are we going to sell them now while they've still got two years and they're still worth some money? And that's the thing we've really got to get away from. And maybe to be fair, maybe we already decided that the money we'd get for, say, Ox a year ago, we might as well just not bother because we might as well keep him and, and make use of him. Um, if players have got contracts left as well and you want to let them go a year early, sometimes if they're going to lose money, you've, you end up, you know, City did it for loads of times, like with Fowler, say for us, you end up having to pay part of the players' wages anyway when they leave. So there's a lot of things to weigh up, but you know, the, these should be things that are all planned in. The other thing about this, this thing about him staying for only being here for three months is, it's kind of like one of these open secrets that's never... I haven't seen anything official about it, but I've seen it mentioned over and over. And you start to wonder, um, is there any truth in it? I mean, normally when you go into a job, any new job these days, you tend to get told you're here on sort of, say, six months probation. And basically in that six months, if you screw up even slightly, they can get rid of you and they don't need to sort of feel bad about it. And, you know, they, they don't need much of an excuse to get rid of you. After the six months, then it's a bit harder to get rid of you, that kind of thing. And it feels like it may be more like that with him, that, you know, they're bringing him in, giving him a few months to sort of time in that three months for both sides to say, this isn't for us, and to call it a day. Because I just feel like you wouldn't give a job up for just a three-month contract in football when, you know... I mean, where are you going to go in three months? If if Liverpool let you go, you know, other clubs aren't necessarily going to be looking in three months for anyone. So I'm not sure what, what the story is behind that. And maybe as he starts to be interviewed, we'll get some get some information on it. Because the other, the other aspect of that is, what kind of respect are you going to get at a football club if you're only staying for three months? Like people, he's got to go in and be the hard man and all the rest of it. He's got to go in, not just to be the hard man, the tough guy, wherever, telling players it's time to go. Maybe he's got to be the tough guy that says to players, sort yourself out or you'll be gone by Christmas, sort yourself out or this will be your last season. And if he's like going in three months, if that's the sort of word around the club, they're going to be like, ah, yeah, yeah, or whatever, whatever. They're not, they're not going to fall for it. So, you know, whatever that is, whatever this story's come from, I'm, I really think Liverpool needs to sort of, unless it's true, Liverpool really needs to sort of come out and say that's not true. He's staying, you know, th- there's no reason why he'll be gone in three months. No, no plans for him to go. He's planned to be here for a while, but we'll see. Liverpool aren't always good at explaining what goes on behind the scenes. Um, and of course, maybe Chelsea should take this approach of managers. God, yeah, yeah. <laughs> a three month contract. They have had more interim managers than we've had managers. I'm sure of it. I would imagine so. I mean, I'd never even, they, I think they invented the phrase interim manager, didn't they? Um, but yeah, they've, I mean, they've had an embarrassing season, but, um, I mean, just added to our embarrassment, didn't it, by sticking Frank Lampard in, which was maybe not, I mean, it's a shame in a way it didn't work the way the Solskjaer experiment worked at Man United, because, you know, the, if he'd, if he'd have just done enough, maybe they'd have given him the job permanently and they'd have just been keeping him languishing below where they should be a bit longer, like all he did for, for the Manx, you know, could have been good. But You've got to tip your hat to Frank, though, because it's it's a near impossible feat to try and get two teams relegated in one season. And he tried it. Yeah. He really did. Um, so, yeah, maybe maybe, that, maybe he puts that on his CV for this next position, that he, he's the only man in the league who nearly send two teams down. You know, if the form book would have played out across the whole season, they'd be good, you know, be a championship manager on the football, you know, laptop game. 
and you could cross manage two teams, he probably would have got two teams relegated, which is something special in <laughs> itself. Yeah, and yeah, that would have been two lots of blue teams going down. As it was, only one blue team went down, and it was, well, let's face it, put it our way, it was the wrong blue team that went down. Um, Leicester, in the end, I mean, not that I've got any massive affinity for Leicester, and to be fair, talking of managers who um, credentials maybe aren't as good as they like everyone's, I think their credentials are Brennan Rogers basically is the reason Leicester went down, and just as much as Frank Lampard's the reason Everton nearly went down and Chelsea could have gone down, I suppose. But, um, yeah, I'm not sure. It was strange on, um, I don't know about you, on Sunday. I mean, we both said last season we didn't want Everton to go down. You know, we didn't want to miss the derby. We felt sorry for mates who support them and all the rest of it. And I'm pretty sure both of us this season were less like that. We're more like, you know, maybe you need it. You know, maybe, maybe it serves you right. And not so much... Maybe not even wishing him to go down, but not as bothered if they did this time. But yeah, I had such mixed feelings watching that second half the other day. You know, I didn't really know. I didn't think they'd go down in all honesty. I just didn't think they would. I, I had a feeling they'd do enough, but it would have been, in, I don't know. How would how, how were you? Would you? Did you feel the same? Like you, were you sort of disappointed they didn't go down? Glad they didn't go down or sort of mixed? Hello, I'm here to annoy you. I'm here to annoy you into listening to more of me and more of others on EPL Index. We don't just have the Anfield Index stuff. We've got EPL Index as well, which covers the entirety of the Premier League. And we have three podcasts and a whole bunch of really good writing on EPLindex.com. The podcasts are my own two-footed podcast, which is every day at 4 p.m., Monday through Friday, covering the whole league. We have a tad predictable hosted by Tadiwa. You know Tadiwa, he does Anfield Index. He presents a tad predictable before every Premier League match week. And then Kevin DeVries and his crew on the EPL roundtable there every week after the Premier League match week. So make sure you listen to everything we're doing on EPL Index and follow us there on Twitter at EPL Index. Thank you. Bye-bye. I was I'll be honest, I was disappointed he didn't go. <laughs> um, I I did I'd have the goal when Everton scored, Decore's goal, I fair play like to to hit the ball from the edge of the box and then you know, flying on the body like that. It's a it's a good goal, like whatever. But I did feel as though like I was watching Liverpool and we've just conceded a goal in the ninetieth minute and you know, it, it, it harked back to memories of remember the the ninety Five, ninety six, maybe FA Cup final, and Eric Cantona. Um, oh, yeah, the ball dropped away, Manny. He, he, you know, very similar goal, smash one in from the edge of the box on the volley, and it was sort of that deflated feeling, thinking, "Oh, it's not our day." Um, the reality was, I think, that the Brighton result was a freak result for yeah. Everton. Um, you know, they they've been so poor in front of goal all season, so poor away from home, and to get a five one victory away. Uh, one of the most informed teams in the league um, was was one of them, you know, outlying results. And you think, you know, someone down in the bottom of the league has got to pull out a freak result, and, and it was that, and, and that turned out to be just enough for them in the end. Um, and you know, Evertonian mates who I spoke to said, like, you know, it had to be Bournemouth um, on the weekend, and he said, if we don't beat Bournemouth, then we deserve to go down because you know, Bournemouth with all due respect to them, 
a punching above the weight this season. They were probably nailed on favourites to go down um, after coming up and especially, you know, changing manager and appointing Gary O'Neill, who had never managed the don't think he'd ever been a manager in his career before. So fair play to him for doing what he's done and keeping Bournemouth in the league. But um Evertonians were saying, you know, if they if they lose to Bournemouth or they don't beat Bournemouth, then they deserve to go. As it turned out, you know, they stayed up and, and they won the league of the bottom four and celebrated in due style by invading the pitch once again, which is yep. is odd for the team of, you know, staying up on the last day of the season. I don't think that's something to be overly, you know, jubilant about. It's more of a relief thing for... Yeah. I, I don't know. I, I just got to the point where I thought I would like to see them gone. Um, just, just to sort of put them in the place because, you know, we fast forward now, you know, two or three months to, to August and, and the beginning of the season and they will all be coming out again and saying like, you know, we'll, we'll be challenging for top 10 this year. You know, they, they might make a couple of signings, a couple of players might move on. Um, but they all have that belief that they are a top 10 team and they've got a God-given right to be, you know, in the top end of the league and eventually in a year or two's time be challenging for Europe because they're going to have this shiny new stadium and whatever. But, the reality is, as you said before, you, you flirt with a trapdoor enough, eventually it's going to suck you in. Southampton have found that out this year. Um, you know, Leicester going, not really too fussed about them because, you know, they've got a, a terrible fan base of people and, and their attitudes, especially towards, you know, the people in Liverpool and the club. Yeah. Um, so, you know, it, it couldn't have happened to a, a nicer fan base in terms of them going down. I did feel a bit, you know, bit saddened that that Leeds have gone and I do fear that you know the way that club is is run and the owner does dodgy to say the best of things <laughs> um, I do fear that they, they'll be gone now again for a couple of years you know that was very short lived but uh, I do feel though it's it's been a, a bit of a roller coaster in terms of how Leeds have, have approached the Premier League and I don't think they've ever really at the time in the top level sat down and thought, you know what, we just need just a solid base, just just keep yeah. clean sheets and everything else will come afterwards. I think they just always thought we'll go with a gung-ho approach and you know, we'll, we'll find our way out of, of trouble and even putting the classic dinosaur big Sam in charge, you, you know, flat back seven, if he could play one, didn't work. So, yeah, I, I do think that they'll they'll probably find themselves languishing in the championship a few years. Who knows what will happen to Leicester, but um, I guess we, we can look forward to a new a new team in the Premier League next season, we could say, in Luton Town. Yes. Yeah, I'm not sure about them. I always remember them, um, I don't know, they had the plastic pitch that when no one else had a plastic pitch. They had um, a membership scheme that Margaret Thatcher wanted every, every club to have and no one else in football wanted it, but they had one. They banned away supporters. Um, they, uh, they, they just, we could probably do a whole podcast on them, to be honest with you, what they were like in the 80s, the way, um, they, you know, they couldn't turn up to games because it was too bad, yet they could when it suited them. We ended up playing them really close together in, in FA Cup replays and things from what I can remember. I just remember nothing but badness about them, but maybe it's not the team now. Maybe I should be more open-minded about them now they've not got the plastic pitch now they do let away fans in and um you know it's a change but yeah i mean i was i was sad too about Leeds going down in a way because it feels like they're one of the sort of like 
for me for me definitely growing up they were one of the teams that was in the in the top flight you know whenever whenever you sort of got looking at like league tables or anything like that b- before the season began they were the ones just above you in in the alphabet so like you know you when you're looking to see whether you're a home or away, you sometimes see leads and then you say, all right, we're away then because the next, you know, next team down was whoever that didn't begin with L. So they've always been sort of part of the, the league for me, but you're right. I think, you know, they, they, they're going to struggle to get back up unless, unless they can literally bounce back straight away. I think it will be a while. Southampton, it's strange, really. They weren't, you know, we, we, what we saw of them at the weekend makes you wonder how they went down, but then you realize it's just, you know, it may be dealing with pressure and the, and the rest of it. There was nothing to lose for them at the weekend. We're not, you know, they, they wouldn't have been any more embarrassed by losing to us than they would have been. Um, you know, whatever the result, it wouldn't really bothered them. But yeah, Everton going down the celebrations. I think the coverage I saw, people were trying to make out that they weren't really celebrating, but a lot of them were celebrating. They were definitely celebrating. I mean, it was relief. I get that. I totally get relief. Um, but to me, that wouldn't have been celebration. It would be right, you know. Thank fuck for that. We've we survived. But what on earth is going on at that club that they have still got those owners, still got that board? And is it true? I read the other day the board haven't been since those so-called threats to their security way back when. They've not been to the ground since. Which, if that's true, I mean, it, it just feels like they're just hiding. They're hiding from the truth, and. I don't think we've found out what the truth is yet. They've got that FA investigation going on. I don't think we've got to the bottom of the truth yet. And, you know, as we said, relegation probably would kill them. I still don't feel like they've, they can guarantee they've got survival in the top flight, given what might be going on behind the scenes. There's, there's a lot of chat about the ownership. And I think there was a rumored bid from an American party dependent on if they stayed in the league um, next time we get Tony on I think he might be able to shed more light on this because he's probably got contacts in the area who would know the information yeah. for it but I think that, that that in itself you know doesn't fill you with you know great positivity that oh yeah we want we want to put some money in we want to buy us but you want to make sure you're in the top league it's like you know we're only interested when you you know you're at the the big money end of the football game because if you go down then we're, we're going to have to put money in our pockets it does sort of sound as though they're looking for you know a Hicks and Gillette sort of folks like make a quick buck yeah. as it was and you know if they're in the Premier League there's a there's a way that they'll be able to somehow get money out of them because you know that there is American interest in football whether it be you know actual ownership or you know consortiums or whatever who, who do see the opportunity of you know, the Premier League is so lucrative and it's so much more financially ahead of other leagues around the world that if you put a couple of quid in, you're going to make more than a couple of quid back. Um, and that in itself would would fill me with a lot of fear and doubt and especially, you know, the, the issues surrounding they don't actually have the full money, uh, as, we're, as we're told, to, to pay for the stadium that's currently probably 50 60% built. Um, so, you know, it, it, they've got the FFP hanging over them. They've they've so badly managed their finances that can they actually spend in the summer? There's, you know, it's been announced today as we record that they're turning down the offer to buy Connor Cody for four point five million. Now, I think that's a good move in terms of personal decision. Of he's not a very good footballer, but 
4.5 million for a player who, you know, could probably do a job for them and has done a job for them over the course of the season. Are they just saying that we can't afford four and a half million? Or like it, we don't we, we don't think Connor Cody's worth it. Well, Yeti Mina's walking away on a free transfer. You're letting Connor Cody, you know, not sign on again. Seamus Coleman is long-term injury and whether he'll fully recover or not. You know, that that's three defenders. They're not exactly flush for, you know, quality players in their squad. It, it's, it's a concern in time if you are a blue as to, to where your your future lies. As I said, like, you know, they'll find a way to positively spin it. But deep down, there's there's a lot of concern if, if you would be an Evertonian that, you know, is this money going to come in and, and how much of it, if any, is going to be invested into the squad because there's there's loads of debt there and as I say I think Tony is probably prime position where we can speak to him next and in given the juicier details of of what's actually going on at that club because you know the the actions of the people off the pitch you can't be seen at the ground is having a devastating effect on them and yeah may, maybe that's a reason that they they can't go to games because the they fear for themselves and, and that shouldn't be anyway if you if you're going and doing your job whether you're you know, an owner of a football club or whether you're working you know a supermarket or a restaurant or you know a factory or whatever if you if you fear for your life for going to work and doing your job then you know that that's not a normal situation to be in no and i think from what i can gather as well the police said from what i can tell the police have never actually been given any information about what these threats were. So it's always, you know, which, you know, I mean, I, I maybe I'm just being overly suspicious, but I can't help but think that if you'd had any kind of serious threats made to such public figures in such a big um, part of the city, like, like Everton are, as much as we call them a small club, they're a big thing in the city kind of thing. Not as big as us, obviously, but, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll let them. But, you know, you'd, you'd be straight, you'd be straight to the police because you'd, and the police would probably be glad to be given the information because let's find out what's going on. But, Without going to the police, you start to wonder, well, is there actually any real information? And one of the jobs that you have as a board director or, you know, when, you, when you're when you in that sort of executive box part of the ground, when you're one of the, the big cheeses, if you like, is, you know, it's your job to kind of welcome people, whether they're potential sponsors, potential partners, potential shareholders, potential, um, you know, People that you can just, you know, if Rocky's going to come to the, to come to Liverpool, you know, you'll go and sit, have your picture took with Rocky in the ground. But you just, you know, it, it, it's a big part of what you do, and they're not going to attract investment as bad as the playing. They're not going to attract investment if they don't have board directors inviting people in who might, even if they don't know someone, even if they aren't, you know, they don't have the money themselves. They know people who have. That you start getting this sort of word going round, spread the word. I mean, we say Liverpool's a village. People say football's a village, and I'm sure the business world is a village in a lot of ways. That it, what I mean is that people, everyone knows everyone almost, and, and word gets round. And if you don't know someone, every you know, there's there's not so many degrees of separation between you and other people, and that that can make a difference. But the, if they're hiding, they're hiding from the problems, but they're also making it harder for the problems to be fixed. And I can see why Everton's and Evertonians are mad, but what what's not done them any good as a fan base is they've spent too many years blaming us, looking at us and being 
almost seeing us as their as their target is just try and be better than us. So it became just try and beat us in the derby. Every you know they they look at us, they moan about us, they complain about us. They're still fuming about Rafa saying they're a small club. They're still not happy with that. That's why you know they brought him in as a manager. They still hated him for that for that throwaway comment that was misquoted anyway. And it's taken until now really for them to turn around and go hang on a minute. So even though Frank did shout at Klopp. Is not really the answer to our problems. And actually, there are problems out the manager, the problems that are in the boardroom. But how long? This has been obvious to anyone outside of Everton support, I think, for ages. But they've only just spotted it. And that's going to be the, you know, that's, that's something that's got to change for them if they want to survive in the league from the fan base point of view. Cause I always feel whoever you are in the club, you, you all do your bit. And as fans, you do your bit for your club. To do their bit for their club, they really need to start holding those those owners to account, that board to account, and stop letting them sort of perpetuate the myths that they've perpetuated that you know they're, they're a hard done to club that's been in the shadow of Liverpool unfairly and all this kind of stuff they come out with. And just quickly as well on um, on Connor Cody, I wonder if they'd have signed him if it hadn't been for VAR in the derby. Maybe, maybe they've had a statue, <laughs> but VAR's ruined that deal for Connor Cody because he wasn't there. Um, he didn't go down as a cult hero. Um, but talking of, of defenders and, and so on, maybe, um, we've already mentioned Callagher, but there's another player reportedly on his way out and I think we'll miss him, but he kind of falls into that category we were saying of he doesn't always play every game because of fitness and when he plays, he doesn't always put in the, the shift you'd like him to. Maybe because of fitness who knows and that's Matip um, I'd be sad to see him go but you know really it should only be in the squad if if, if we can guarantee that um, we've got enough other players to fill the gaps when he's not available obviously you know what your first two central defenders are but you maybe think you know Gomez is around as, as, a, as a player to come in if needed but you know if Matip's going we need to replace him I don't need a VPN. I've got nothing to hide. <laughs> this is what I used to tell myself before I hooked up with LibertyShield.com. Not only is my home internet now fully encrypted, but I can now access all the websites I want, whenever I want, and do so from absolutely anywhere. As a Liverpool fan, I love to know I can now watch every match, regardless of whether it's on UK TV or not. My Liberty Shield VPN makes sure nothing is blocked and guarantees me super-fast streaming speed throughout that match. You can get connected right now with their software package, which includes a 48-hour no-obligation free trial and instant access to their apps for Apple, Android, Fire TV, PC, Mac and Android TV. Or go a step further like I have and get one of their pre-configured VPN routers. These small but powerful devices allow you to easily connect every device in your home to VPN, making it the perfect solution for smart TVs, mag boxes and games consoles. Visit libertyshield.com today and use coupon code AIVPN25 to get 25% off at checkout. Yeah, I think with, with Massive, there's, there's certain qualities that he brings that you probably don't get out of any of the other centre arts we got, you know, you you think of as Maisie dribbles upfield and, you know, the 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 chances that he can actually create by, you know, breaking the lines and if you're an opposition player and you see the six foot five gangly fella sort of 
looking like a baby giraffe stumbling up the field with the ball. You kind of think, well, <laughs> well, what's he doing? And all of a sudden, he's on the opposition uh, penalty area. And I think the, there was a time when he actually scored a goal, wasn't there, from doing one of them mad dribbles? And yeah, yeah. The, I think Colt Hero again is the is the you know you reference Connor Cody, but that would have been for one one goal that didn't actually count. But I think you, <laughs> there's Colt Hero moments for Joel Matip and. You know, anyone who is not aware of the no context Joe Matter Twitter account should actually go and find him because there's some quality content <laughs> on there. Um but but in the reality, like he does get injured, you know, at least two to three times a season. Um and it, it can be, you know, a sustained length of time. And when he does come back, the the old like term as I've I've discovered recently playing five aside, that you you can be you can think that you're fit, but you're not match fit and you can be very, very rusty um, and your touch isn't always there. And, you know, I'm now three weeks into trying to play five-a-side and I'm still very, very rusty as a 1993, you know, Vauxhall Cavalier would be. <laughs> um, but if we're honest, we, we've we got Virgil and Canate now who are, you know, top, top class centre-halves. There's arguably not many better around in the league than them two. Um, and in this in this back three formation that we we look like we're going to adopt, you know, we need players who are going to be available on a regular basis, and there probably would be a role for Joe Matip in there as as a sort of ball carrier, maybe out the middle. But I would imagine Virgil Van Dijk is going to be that position. He's going to be the one that you know plays in the middle and carries the ball out and sprays the ball and then Kanate to the right and if we bring someone in on the left, you know, to, to cover the wider areas of the pitch and you just let, you know, the Rolls-Royce and Virgil do do his business in the middle. And with a year left on his deal, we've referenced it before, it probably is now the right time to sell Joe Matter because there'll be value there, maybe not a lot, but you referred to, you know, Oxley chamberlain and Naby Keita before that, you know, you can hang on to these players, but our Celta by policy is then buoyed. So, you know, if, if there was a decent offer coming in for Joe Matter with a year left on his contract, I think, you know, it would be foolish of us not to consider and allow him to move on and, you know, maybe get himself one last good deal at another club and, and see his career out somewhere else. And, you know, the, the old saying of, as a Shankly saying, where you, you let players get old on someone else's books, you don't mm. let it happen on ours, and we've let that happen too many times. Maybe now we just need to be wise, and it would be sad to see him go. But you know, we've got to think of the the best for our team going forward, and he may be an asset. But I think if the opportunity arose to, to sell him, I wouldn't be one that would be turning it down. No, and it's, I think as well. I think the interesting thing though is like. I don't know how many times we've said it on this pod and on other episodes where we've said, depending on how we're going to do things next season, are we still going to have Trent in that flexible role? I just hope Liverpool know what they're planning to do next season. Because to me, it kind of gives you two two pathways to go down. I mean, you think about, say, a player like Joe Gomez in the squad. If he was left-footed, he'd almost be perfect to be the left-sided defender, wouldn't he? Because he's, he's kind of a hybrid. I've never really been sure whether he's a better... Is he better at full-back or better at centre-back? And he's kind of... He does sort of fit between the two and maybe he'd be perfect for that role if he played on the other side of the pitch. So 
the other thing as well is um, Ibu said recently in an interview that since Trent's been doing this, he's been more tired at the end of a game because he's had more work to do. He's done more running. He's not complaining, but he is more tired. And that, um, again, sort of takes Matip out the picture a little bit in the sense that if he's the one having to do that role with his with his injury record and for all these mazy runs and so on, trying to do that for 90 minutes, a few games in a row might be just a bit much for him. So, you know, we need we need young legs, I think, and I just hope we have decided what we're going to do. Um, which kind of takes us on to transfer talk. I mean, pinch your salt as always, but um, you were texting me before and you gave me three names. Um, we talked about McAllister a bit last week, I think, but um, two others that you think... Well, you've heard links about it. What do you reckon? Yeah, I mean, I won't confess to know enough about them because I've probably never, ever seen them play. <laughs> um, you know, YouTube can be an amazing thing. It'll probably be, you know, Charlie Adam look like a world-class footballer. I'm saying that, yeah. <laughs> yeah, any player, any player could probably put a, a five-minute YouTube clip together that made him look like a world player, world-class player, couldn't they? But, yeah. yeah, you know, put a funky dance tune over it and, you know, a few highlights and a few... Zoomy edits and yeah, you you could probably find yourself marketing, you know, a non-league player for a couple of quid. But you know, all, all the uh, reports of people who have watched these lads um, and know more about European football than than you or I, you know, I've said you know the main the main standout elements for them for you know the the both twenty two years of age. I think in obviously referring to Kefren Torre at Nice and. Manu Kone at yeah. uh, Munchengladbach. You know, 22 years of age, plenty of, you know, miles on the clock to go for them. But they've both got, you know, decent experience under the belts. I think they both played in in European competition over, you know, the, the young careers that they've got. Um, statistically, you know, can provide a lot in terms of defensive ability, but also on-ball ability, um, which, you know, Something that we've we've lacked. If if you you look at what we've had this season, you know, defensively we've been poor. We need to stop the ball further up the pitch, and we we've seen in the last ten games of the season when Curtis come in, um, you know, we we found ourselves turning the ball over higher up the pitch. Curtis Jones's pressing stats and ball recoveries were were off the chart compared to what we were with you know without him. And you'd only have to look at the you know, the connection of how many chances then we create because, you know, we've got quality players at the top end of the field. If we can get the ball to them faster and create overloads and create turnovers, then you will find yourself more often than not getting goals. It's it's not a stupid equation to come to, but these two lads, more than anything, look to have legs and energy. And again, YouTube is a very, very deceptive place, but, you know, images and videos of them Taking the ball off players and then sprinting away with pace is always good to see. Like, you know, carrying the ball 20, 30, 40 yards, being able to cover large distances of the pitch to make tackles and make recovery runs, all the things that we're missing. Like, you know, and then people who, who have seen them more than again, you or I have always said, like, these lads are ideal for what we're looking for. And if we've identified them, in the price brackets being touted of, I think it's 30 to 40 million for Kone and maybe a bit more, 35 to 45 for Toram. You know, with Alexis McAllister, let's just put a ballpark figure on that of, say, roughly 60 million. 
you know, you're looking at anywhere between 120 and 140 million, and you could be getting three centre midfielders. That was the price for Jude Bellingham, uh-huh. apparently. You know, you, you think what you think, but having three players over one, regardless, you know, you, you have to show off the Jude Bellingham one because the need for the team is we need more bodies in there than one. And all it would take is an injury to Jude Bellingham and you'd be back at square one where you bring three lads in. If one of them was unfortunate to get injured, you've still got two others there. It's the clever decision. You know, people yeah. will always not be happy, but I think it's the very sensible, smart thing. And hopefully we can get a couple of these lads over the line very quickly. Yeah, I mean, it's disappointing that all the noise about Bellingham suggested that everyone wanted it to happen. The only thing that was stopping it was signing a cheque and then all of a sudden the cheque was too high. But I think if you were talking last summer about Liverpool's needs and we'd gone out and bought Jude Bellingham last summer, everyone would have been made up and would have kind of thought, well, that's it, we've done some good business this summer now. Add him to all the other moves we did do in the summer kind of thing. And I don't think people would have been crying that much about, about what we did. That one player we would have thought would have been enough. And maybe having that one player over the season would have kind of papered over the cracks of how short we were in, in other parts of midfield, if, if you like, because potentially he could have made such a difference. But like you say, you know, you know, in this parallel universe, we signed him in the summer, then he went off to the World Cup with England and got injured, didn't play the rest of the season. And the rest of our midfield, you know, those cracks were well and inter- truly torn open like we saw anyway. So it doesn't work out. Buying three players, you know, in a way, if two of them work out and one doesn't, you could argue, well, that was a waste of money for that third one, but you've still got two really good players. Um, and as you say, I get where you're coming from as well with the caution. I mean, um, Choran has got, Choran's got a famous dad. That doesn't always make a difference. I mean, I'm sure Paul Dalgleish will actually hold his hands up to that one. Um, you know, he wasn't quite as good as Kenny when he was playing football. Um, so it doesn't always guarantee that you've got a good player. There is a quote from him, which I've just found, which definitely been through Google Translate this, looking at it. Um, he's just saying, I want to progress, go on the field, have fun. For now, I'm in Nice. It's going very well. I really like the club, so I still see myself in Nice. I am very well in Nice. That's the bit that sounds like it's been Google Translated. Um, he, he admits that he's heard noises, but um, keeps emphasising he's happy in Nice, which is pretty much what every player says when they're linked with another club because, you know, they want to sort of keep in with their existing fans, but whilst quietly hoping that the other club comes in for him. So I think, you know, to me, although he's kind of almost saying um, he's heard noise, but he's happy where he is, that doesn't mean he's, he's, uh, he's going to be happy to stay where he is. So I hope it is. Um, as promising as it sounds, that's the thing I'm going to look at because I try not to get too worked up about summer and about transfer windows because... I see people who I know who become shells of the former selves because they spent the whole summer with this great little short list of players we could go for, you know, six or seven players. And if we get two, three, four of them would be great. And we end up with like none or one. And the just the season's ruined then because they were so looking forward to these players because, you know, as much as we can kind of sit on the sidelines and say, this is what we need. It's not always what you get, is it? And, I just think, just wait until they're holding that that uh, red shirt up in front of whatever the summer version of a Christmas tree is, because that's that's when we can start really analysing what they're like. But a little bit of sort of general gossip and not taking it too seriously, I'm all right with that. Yeah, I mean, you can find yourself really bogged down, and as you say, people will go mentally insane like over summer transfers. And I think, you know, we referenced earlier on, championship manager, like you know. Yeah. 
you, you can't sign a player overnight. Like, you know, you, the game has become that advanced where, like, you have to go into negotiations with players, you have to figure out the wages, you have to figure out, like, you know, packages and stuff. And, you know, you reference Toram and his favourite, uh, his famous dad, I must say. Um, I think his mum was also a, a decent athlete herself. I think she was a netball player at a high level. So he's got sporting genes in his body. But you've also got to think of the fact, like, you know, you you're moving players from a foreign country. You've got to look at like your family aspects and stuff. These are two young men that we're talking about here. And the, the prime example I would give you is, is Darwin Nunes. Like he's yeah. came to the club this season or the season just passed. So last summer as, as we're looking at it now. Um, and I think, you know, he has on the bad season. He's not set the world alight. I think, you know, we all got ahead of ourselves from the couple of performances against Benfica in the Champions League. And then, you know, the early promise of the, the charity slash community shield and, you know, coming off the bench and getting a goal against City and we thought, you know what, you can have Erling Haaland, we've got this kid. You know, as it transpired, if if you knew what you were looking at, like Erling Haaland was an absolute freak of nature and he's gone on to prove that. And, you know, I think if you put Darwin Nunes in City's team, he would probably get a large amount of goals because he just creates a large amount of chances anyway. But he's learning English. He doesn't really have a full grasp of communication yet. You know, he's, he's getting information secondhand, whether that be, you know, Pep Linder's giving it because he speaks Portuguese or whether it be Tiago and stuff like that. And he said himself, you know, he, he needs time to settle. He, he struggled when he went to Almeria first. He struggled when he went to Benfica in his first season. Then once he got his feet under the table, learned the language, learned how to play, it all clicked and it all went, you know, much better for him. And again, young young lad coming into a new country, new language, you know, moving the family into a new city and stuff. And I think any footballer probably who moves to Liverpool and even Everton for that respect, you know, coming and living within the city of Liverpool or, you know, some of them live on the outskirts of the city, but will, you know, socialise in and around the city. They will find, obviously, the people will take to them a lot more than what you'll probably get in other cities around the country because it's just the nature of what Scousers are. And, you know, they would give them the benefits of doubt. They would give them the time. And I think, you know, looking at new signings, they, they'll, they'll take that in mind. They'll speak to players. You know, these two lads are French. I'm sure they'll probably speak to Kanata and find out what's it like living in Liverpool? What are the people like? Where is it, where is it nice to go and live? Where is it nice to, you know, walk your dog? Where is it nice to eat? You know, when um, Alexis McAllister, you know, Argentinian, We'll have probably had conversations with other South American players who we've got. We'll, you know, he's at Brighton. I'm sure if he is going to end up in a red shirt, we'll have had numerous conversations with Adam Lallana. What's it like living in Liverpool? Where should I go? What should I do? You know, and Adam Lallana, from all accounts, enjoyed his time here more than any other player. So yeah. he'll get a glow on reference. And I think all these things have to be taken into account when a transfer happens. It doesn't happen overnight. So fingers crossed, as you say, we get you know, the red shares held up, whether it be a Kirby, whether it be in front of the cranes that are ripping off the Anfield Road end. <laughs> Somewhere, sometime soon, it would be nice if we could just have, you know, that, that little bit of positive news because, yeah, it, it would like, lighten up what's been a, a pretty damp season, hasn't it? Yeah, and I think people can kind of underestimate what a difference it can make. I mean, if you've got positivity going into a season, but it's not deserved... And we've done that as Liverpool fans many times in the sort of, certainly while you were growing up, you know, this, this will be the season for us. And then 
you know, we look back and think, no, it was never going to be this season for us. We were way too crap for it to be the season for us. But I think, you know, if we go can go into this season thinking this is right, we've just made those signings, we can get back in that top four. Not just that, because we shouldn't be aiming for top four. We should still be aiming for the league. But if you're aiming for top four, you know, you're not aiming high enough and you're more likely to miss. But the 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 confidence that will come for the fan base is if we have gone out and and put out a message and it's not just confidence for us you know we we think great let's just say we've signed those three players we've made it you know we maybe could put someone in in the back four as well we've um sorted out a re- a, let let Queeve go but we've brought somebody decent in as backup um you know we look strong we look great we're all up for it teams all up for it and then other clubs are thinking oh hang on a minute you know it, it just just sort of put a little bit of pressure on them as another club they know they're up against that a club that's, going, a club that's going to take points off them and going to make them need more points to take points off more other teams so you can't say enough i mean confidence is a big thing in football and that's why I was glad we we got the draw at the weekend so we could end the season with a, a run of unbeaten games and we can go into next season and hopefully keep that unbeaten run going because you know if, we, if we're still unbeaten from whenever that started up until Christmas who knows where we'll be in the league and who knows how strong we'll be but I, I really think we, we've got to sort these signings out but anyway plays are going and the club's been putting sort of goodbye messages on through the week on the official site. I hadn't seen it until you spotted it because I've kind of maybe I'm just too upset to see him going. No, I just haven't a chance to look. But um, I think one that stood out to you was James Milner. His goodbye off the club. It's been. Uh, I think people are sad to see him go. He's made an impression. Yeah, I think. Well, let's be honest. If you've been working this week, and I've not, um, <laughs> so I've had, so I've had time to to mooch around social media and 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 so on, but. Yeah, I think as we record now, we're on Thursday, so we're on Oxley Chamberlain's sort of tribute thing. Uh, it started with Naby on, uh, sorry, oh, yes, Thursday, so Chamberlain today. Um, Milner was yesterday, Wednesday. Naby was Tuesday, you would imagine. Bobby's is tomorrow, Friday, so we can all get emotional going into the weekend and have more tears running down our face because, you know, not only did we see Bobby score in his last appearance at Anfield, we've seen Bobby score in his last appearance in the Liverpool shirt. Um and you know you're getting all the goodbye messages from him, and that'll be emotional as well. Um, but yeah, I think you know whatever your opinion of of James Milner as a player, as a footballer, I think you know there's a seven minute video um, that the club put out yesterday. Um, you know with with you know references from you know Henderson. Um, Trent, Virgil, Salah, Klopp, and I think like Henderson said himself, like he 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 owes a lot to Milner. Um, in terms of he wouldn't be the captain and the lead that he is without him and you know whatever your opinion of Jordan Henderson as an on-field captain I think you know stuff he does off the field you you can't you know praise him high enough for what he's done um, and then you, you look at some of the quotes from like Virgil van Dijk about the, the fines and I think Trent was referencing it too like if you if the team meeting is 9.55 and you turn up at 9.55 on James Milner's clock, you're late because <laughs> you should have been there beforehand and you were fined on the spot. Um, you know, like little things like that. It's good to get insights and, you know, these sorts of things happen up and down, you know, the football pyramid. If you played Sunday league football at any time and, you know, you're told to meet at whatever time and if you don't, you're fine as, you know, a couple of pounds or whatever. Or like if you, you're the last one to, to the changing room or whatever, then you're the one to get the first round and after the game sort of thing. But, yeah, I think he he will be missed in the changing room. Um, you know, he's 
is obviously a figure that's loved by by everyone. Um, and you know, you are going to miss his late challenges. You know, his, his cynical yellow cards and, and sticking his arse into players. And you know, the the one win against PSG was it when when he put Neymar basically into the dugout and you know it was like I didn't do that, boss. Like sort of things <laughs> to the referee. And you know, we are going to miss things like that. And you know, but at the same time, it creates an opportunity now. Like he was vice captain, um, and again, whatever people think of the the hierarchy of captaincy within the club, the opportunity now arises for for somebody else to take that vice captaincy um, position. You would imagine Virgil van Dijk is the prime candidate to step up into that, but then do you have a leadership group um, within the club? And you know, there's probably an opportunity for someone else to become, you know, the the next in line for the captaincy armband, and there's opportunity for one would imagine people within the dressing room to step up and take the role of maybe, you know, the fine police as Trent referred to him. And, you know, it's like, you know, as someone moving on in any profession, you know, there's always an opportunity for somebody to progress and step up. And I think when we see it tomorrow with Bobby, it'll probably be more of a, you know, a heartstring moment. But I think the club are doing the right thing in, in, in showing respect to the, to these lads who have contributed one way or another to, the success that we've had and they've all came here you know some of them more than others have contributed to trophies but they've all won trophies and I think when we look back on today at two years ago um, was it two years ago when we went to Madrid and we won um, number six you know like mm. them lads at some points along their, their time at Anfield have contributed in, into winning that trophy for example so yeah like best of to squad and whatever they may end up it looks like you know we might be getting McAllister off Brighton and James Milner's going down the south coast. So if that's for him, then then fair play to him. Yeah, and I hope it's um we had like we had a spell where we were taking all Southampton's decent players or maybe sometimes we thought not so decent players. But they you know they they had um they they managed to find talent that that we couldn't find almost and we kind of brought them in. Felt like we were doing quite a bit of business with them. And obviously they've maybe lost that now. They're going down, getting relegated. Don't know whether any of their players are worth looking for. But Brighton have definitely got players that we could be interested in, I'm sure. And maybe, you know, having two X-Reds down there now could just help us, um, you know, if there's anyone that's developing a little bit more to to the point where you think they're going to be right for us at the end of next season kind of thing, then let's hope James can do it. And I think, the other thing as well, he's, he, he's probably left at the right time in a lot of ways in terms of being a player because he's left with everyone sort of, as much as people have been infuriated with him at times this season and wondering, you know, is he the right player to play 90 and all the rest of it? Um, he, he, he was still good very recently. You know, he was still brilliant for us very recently. There's still a lot of good that he did, that he did. And so he leaves on good terms. And I think if he'd have stayed another year, that there is sort of anger would have been building up because he would have been that bit slower, that bit later, that bit, you know, less, less useful to us. And there would have been a lot more anger about him. Maybe he wouldn't have left on such good terms, but he's left at the right time. And he definitely does fit in what you were saying earlier with the boot room that let's see people do the decline somewhere else. Maybe. You know, maybe we did see a bit too much of the decline before we let him go. But you know what? He's been he's been a model professional. And I'm pretty sure that if he wasn't going to carry on playing, we maybe would have got some good use out of still having him around at the club in some sort of capacity as a, you know, just just for his mentorship abilities because he's definitely been a mentor to so many players. But you look at him; he just doesn't want to stop playing. So where he ends up coaching, I don't know. How long that'll be, I don't know. Um, he definitely wasn't ready to be kind of a player coach at Anfield anyway because he wanted to play more, and he's going to get that. So fair play to him. Um, 
Well, we've managed to um, somehow talk for ages about what we thought would be not much, really, but we've not even gone near the whole of the season, so maybe maybe what we need to do is sort of knuckle down in another show and sort of really look back at the season. Who knows? Maybe have a proper look through of it. But I think we've done a good look through it last, the last week or so. Um, we've seen Everton survive, so we've still got a derby after wondering if we'd never have one again for years. Um, we've seen a lot of players go. We don't know how many are going to come in. And what we've seen, I think, the thing that we've liked the most the last week, what we've really seen that we really wanted to see, is the end of that annoying, awful, crappy season. I hope it didn't hurt its ass when the door shut on it on its way out. For me and Jay, though, that's it for this week. We will be back soon with another episode of Scouser Tommies. And as always, thanks to you for listening, and we will see you soon. We hope you enjoyed listening to this Anfield Index show. Please be sure to subscribe to our channel, so future podcasts find their way to your device automatically. There's nothing quite like fan engagement, and we'd love to know what you think of anything discussed on this show. The best way to get in touch is over on our free Discord community, where both podcasters and listeners debate the hottest LFC topics 24-7. Sign up free now at anfieldindex.com forward slash discord. You won't regret it. You can also follow us on Twitter at Anfield Index and find us on Facebook by searching for Anfield Index. Oh, and before you go, we'd love it if you could leave us a five-star review on your favourite podcast app. It only takes a couple of seconds and it means the world to the people who create these free shows. Sports Social Podcast Network.